In today's episode, we talk about creating an immersive, customer-centric, multi-use destination that builds a community of fans. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. Today's guest is Mike Crawford, the president and CEO at Hall of Fame Resort and Entertainment Company. If the name sounds familiar, but you can't quite put your finger on it, the Hall of Fame Resort and Entertainment Company is the larger organization built around the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Rather than just a place to gather and celebrate the past, the organization is now honoring the past and inspiring the future. By leveraging the brand and familiarity of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Mike and his team are building a massive entertainment and media destination to immerse customers. On the village side of things, it's a 200-acre mixed-use development. During phase one of the development, the Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium and National Youth Football and Sports Complex were built. The stadium hosts the Hall of Fame game enshrinement, uh, the concert for legends, the Hall of Fame game itself, uh, high school and college football games, as well as concerts for acts like Pitbull, Toby Keith, Maroon 5, and more. The Youth Football Sports Complex hosts tournament participants and families for amateur sporting events, 80% of which come from outside of the state of Ohio. For more info on how the Youth Sports Complex drives revenue or information on sports tourism in general, check out our past episode with Mike Millay talking about ESPN Wide World of Sports business model. During this episode, Mike Crawford takes us deeper into phase two and phase three of the development for the Hall of Fame Village. One of the key takeaways is the way that they're using their real estate to diversify revenue streams, creating retail, dining, hospitality, healthcare, commercial, even residential verticals. Now, as I list out the in-person experiential aspects of Mike's company, you might think that they're severely hampered by COVID-19, and that's where you'd be wrong. Mike and his team are maniacally focused on building community amongst sports fans, not just in person or on site, but digitally and year round. This comes through their focus on creating unique content and governing themselves like a true entertainment company. They're diving deeper into esports, and in June, they acquired the first ever professional fantasy football league. If you go back into Mike's past, you'll see where this diversified, immersive entertainment approach is inspired by. Previous to his current role, Mike held a number of leadership roles with Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts and the Walt Disney Company. At Four Seasons, he was the president of Asia Pacific and then portfolio management of their properties all around the world. While at the Walt Disney Company, he spent the majority of the time focused internationally. In his last role, he was the lead executive in charge of Shanghai Disneyland, including the resorts, hotels, retail, dining, and the entertainment district. We'll see how those chapters in Mike's journey have helped shape his strategy for the Hall of Fame Resort and Entertainment Company. And of course, there are tons of valuable nuggets throughout our conversation that should shift your mindset and your approach on how to build your own brand. I hope our conversation inspires new immersive ways to engage your customers and create experiences for your employees that help them buy into your customer-centric vision. Enough prelude. Let's jump into this conversation with Mike Crawford. 
Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, let's kick things off. Uh, talk to us about what the heck you and the Hall of Fame Village have been up to during this pandemic. I, I see more activity in the last month from you guys than I have most companies in years. Yeah, we, we've been fortunate. Um, and to say we've been fortunate during a pandemic is, is probably the wrong way of phrasing it. But we've spent a lot of time um, sort of pre-pandemic and then during. Uh, the big goal we had, of course, was taking the company public. And we were able to achieve that uh, earlier this month. Um, we merged with another publicly traded company called Gordon Point Acquisition Corp. And the real reason for that, um, obviously, was access to liquidity. So uh, we completed the merger. That was exciting for us and, and daunting uh, to take the company public. A lot of regulatory, a lot of audit requirements, as you can well imagine. But we, we did it, and we did it during one of the worst health pandemics the world has ever seen. Um, in the midst of doing that, we also decided it'd be pretty interesting to look at some new business you know, that we could get into as well. And um, so we were, were in discussions with a fantasy football league called the Crown League and decided we needed to be uh, where fans were actively uh, playing fantasy and engaging with the sport of football. So we were able to acquire the majority interest of the Crown League as well. Wow. So that was the second big thing we were able to do during this pandemic. And then the third one was uh, another big partnership deal. Um, with the NFL Alumni Association. And I was really happy uh, to be able to have an opportunity with Beasley Reese and Bart Oates and, and Dean Dalton and their, their leadership team to talk about their mission and what we were doing at the Hall of Fame Village and, and now the Hall of Fame Resort and Entertainment Company and how those things could really align to, to grow even stronger together. And so uh, just this past week, we completed a partnership agreement with them that will do several things um, and, and happy to talk about those. But one of the big yeah. uh, that brings a lot of new content to the village and for us to leverage across multiple other business verticals is they were they're now going to start to run an NFL alumni academy um, here in Canton, Ohio. And. It's a it's a really uh, a much needed concept, I think, um, bringing top undrafted free agents, you know, some of the best kids to play college ball uh, here to Canton and continue their training and being prepared to, to be NFL ready and then providing uh, the 32 NFL franchises updates on their progress on a weekly basis from September to January. I, I think if my my stats are correct, almost a third of the league last year. Uh, went on injured reserve. And so you had to wow. up. And so this could be a really meaningful um, support mechanism for the NFL and having these kids uh, prepared to go to that next level. And so that was a great thing that we were able to accomplish um, with the NFL Alumni Association during the pandemic. We, we, we like other companies, um, we, we had to take a step back. Uh, we certainly had to tighten the belt a little bit. Um, we had a lot of events scheduled, as you all know, mm -hmm. uh, here in Canton, not to mention our enshrinement event and the kickoff to the NFL season, the Hall of Fame game, and had to delay and cancel quite a few of those in the interest of public health and safety. Um, and so we've, we've certainly worked hard to um, make sure that the company is in a position 
as we continue on to uh, have the right environment for uh, people to come and visit, uh, to come and enjoy sporting events and non-sporting events. And just as important, we've continued out with the design and construction work of the village. And that's uh, the big thing that, you know, is our, our, our primary area of focus, I guess, as we, um, as we turn the corner and, and start to move forward as a public company. Well, it's interesting, right? I mean, now you're not even you're not just a resort anymore. And at what point in time where it might've been primarily, you know, the, the museum now is just, it's, it's so much bigger now. So talk, talk to us about all the physical components of the resort uh, and the complex first. Um, and then let's get into some of these other interesting pieces that you, you notated already around the partnership with NFLPA, uh, the eSports League now. I, I love that you guys have diversified, but let, let's give our listeners kind of a little bit of the scope of um, all the different things that you guys have going on physically first. Sure. Well, it starts with the Pro Football Hall of Fame, right? And I think we you know, over the years, there a tribute to um, how that asset has continued to grow and its profile and the events and all the things that it does for the for the Hall of Famers and the community of Canton. Uh, so we decided, and there was a, a much bigger vision that if we could create a place, a destination, if you will, uh, that could really host guests and host sports fans, not only for an event or a concert, but a place for them to come and be immersed in to be entertained and understand um, the game maybe a little bit better and some of the things that go into creating the game and the sport uh, that we could be very successful. And, and, you know, if you look at other Hall of Fames, uh, they've sort of not taken that path. They, they are great at what they do and honoring uh, their heroes of their sport. And I think we do that very well uh, here in Canton. Um, but we, we wanted to create a destination uh, for people to come and really be immersed in. So we we built um, $250 million worth of new assets um, starting in 2017. Uh, there was a brand new Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium, 23,000 seat uh, football slash performance venue, I call it, because we've hosted everything from NFL football games to college games and high school and youth football championships to weddings and business meetings and big concerts like Maroon 5 and Imagine Dragons. We created a youth football and sports complex where now we're hosting almost 300,000 athletes a year and their family members and community members, 80% of which come from outside of Canton, by the way, um, to play in these tournaments and, and championship games. And that's become a really important component for us as a business. We want to have an impact on the next generation of athlete, not just give them a great place to play, but develop the character of, of those athletes as well. And so we employ the services of our Hall of Famers. Uh, they are very active with us in training camps and coaching and, you know, really play a, a great role in the development of these, these young athletes, uh, young women and men that, you know, are aspiring to be great uh, athletes at the next level. And it goes beyond football. I mean, we have lacrosse and soccer and rugby and so on. So we put those assets in place. Um, we acquired a whole bunch of land. We have up to 200 acres of land right now and actually up to 600 acres that we could grow uh, to develop upon. Wow. And now it's time to create that destination. And so uh, we're building an on-site premium hotel. Uh, we've partnered with Hilton. Uh, we'll have a, a great hotel meeting facility 
there for players and families and Hall of Famers and others to stay while they visit. Um, we're creating some entertainment. So we're building the first, I believe, ever football-themed, technology-driven indoor water park. It is Canton, Ohio, so we get some difficult weather. I would probably say that is the first one that exists. I yeah. can't think of any others. So, so we're excited about that, um, giving our, our guests a place to enjoy some time, some downtime. Um, of course, while they're here, we want to feed them and we want to give them other entertainment. So we're working with really neat, unique concepts to this area from a food and beverage, merchandise, and even entertain, uh, additional entertainment perspectives. So think virtual reality, augmented reality experiences, um, maybe even putting you in the game, so to speak. Uh, or enjoying other sport activities. Um, we're creating a, a new uh, complex uh, sponsored by Constellation Energy, uh, one of our great partners called the Constellation Center for Excellence. This is a, uh, I'm excited about this because yeah. this is where we take, um, you know, companies that are really incubating and, and percolating new ideas around how to evolve wellness and player hmm. and player development could be equipment development companies, uh, medical research, um, predominantly in sport. And so we're creating an environment uh, in the Center for Excellence for these kinds of companies to come collaborate and evolve things. And um, inside this facility, we'll have a, a TED Talk location so we can bring in, you know, any number of great coaches or athletes or business individuals to give uh, talks on topics that will inspire, you know, the next generation of athlete or even the next generation of great business leaders or moms or dads or, you know, we want to have an impact on people's lives. You know, so the, the, the concept of excellence goes far beyond sport. And so this building has a unique position at the destination. It sits in the west end zone of the stadium. Interesting. The, uh, the home to our jumbotron that is going to be on the on the backside of the building. So a lot of the scoreboard, instant replay, all you know, video uh, will be housed there, and and then a great promenade out front that we think will present our guests a really unique viewing opportunity of any number of events uh, that we'll host in the Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. Then the the last piece, um, which is also very exciting. Uh, for, uh, phase two is um, the Center for Performance. And the Center for Performance, think indoor field house meets expo convention space, uh, but this is also going to be the home to the NFL Alumni Association, okay. that Alumni Academy that I referenced earlier. So now we have uh, an indoor space where we can diversify sport year round. Uh, we can train that next generation of NFL athlete. But we can also host big events um, and, and diversify the reason why people come to the property for conventions or expos or other things. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're excited about what we're putting together. I always say these destinations should never be finished. Um, this is just now creating more assets for people to come, stay and play and enjoy. And then we've got phase three already on the drawing board and, and beyond. So you know, we're excited about where we're going here in camp. I, I, it's it's amazing because I think, you know, both of our shared time with the Walt Disney Company, it reminds me a lot of that. And it's, it's something that we talk with with sports and entertainment 
companies right now with their brand where you think about game day and all the money that is being spent around a stadium or an arena from tailgating to overnight stays because people are coming in for the weekend, whatever it might be. Ultimately, that brand is driving all that revenue, but they're not capturing any of it. And they're capturing the ticket gate entry. Uh, but there's so much more money that is not being spent with them. And I think when I look at what you guys are doing, you're capturing all that. When somebody comes for their youth tournament, you're capturing that hotel stay. You're capturing that extra day that the team stays afterwards to go to the water park and relax. You're creating professional development opportunities. Um, you're, you're creating so many other things. You really, it's a destination, not just a one stop event. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a great way of putting it. I think, you know, some of the uh, closest analogs that I would say that are out there are, are NFL franchise owners or or specific, uh, uh, you know, team owners where they've decided that exactly what you said, like Jerry Jones and the Dallas Star and taking advantage of uh, the team, not in a negative way, but giving fans uh, an environment to really come and enjoy and, and a way to monetize that. And, um, you know, LA Live and some of the other types of locations throughout the country that have really cracked the code on um, experiential destinations. That's exactly what we're going to create uh, here in Canton around the Hall of Fame as well. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, one. I want to come back to some of the different content things that you guys are doing, because you realize now that with an experiential destination, in a world post COVID, it's going to look very different. And so I think you guys have positioned yourself well to create experiences, not just in person, but digitally. Um, but let's talk a little bit on the in-person side of things. It, this whole project reminds me a little bit of what you were able to accomplish at, uh, at in Shanghai with Disney. Um, talk to us a little bit about how the learnings from, from that project and your role there impacted what you guys are doing with Hall of Fame Village now. Yeah, we we definitely um, have taken you know not uh, not to have a pun here, but you know uh, uh, you know play from that playbook. Um, we we've certainly realized that you have to have a great um, public private relationship. Uh, meaning the city has to be very vested in what you're doing and and have aligned interests, right? Because you want to have support, and um, there's things that just require. Uh, regulation and, and zoning and the, the types of things that really can help a destination be successful. As an example, we're, we're the only tourism development district in all of Ohio um, and hmm. allows us to capture uh, tax revenue that can be funded back into the company to develop more assets or to develop more. So, uh, you know, that was a, an exciting part of uh, how we worked with the government um, to make this an even more profitable venture for those that wanted to invest. We're in a, a qualified opportunity zone, uh, as another example, where people who invest money can defer capital gains and, um, and even have those forgiven if they leave their money into the company for an extended period of time. So certainly that, that private public relationship was critical. I think, you know, for me, um, the basics around creating, having a powerful brand, having the sport that people have so much passion about in America in professional football. And then you couple that with the Pro Football Hall of Fame brand, now the NFL alumni brand, 
you have a you know a pretty powerful mix that you can build off of great content and when you have content and you can deploy that through attractions and create immersive environments it's a recipe for success and i i think disney is a company as you well know that for years and years has always had that ability to take content and create environments that are three-dimensional for guests to come and live in and sort of suspend that disbelief of reality, right? And that's what we're going to achieve here as well. Well, you hit on something really interesting to me on the government side of things. And I I think, unfortunately, it's something even in the pro space that, uh, and especially in the college space, that doesn't get, I think it's overlooked the importance of it. Um, I think of all the things that we were able to do at Disney and even just with Reedy Creek down in in Orlando, right? A lot of people don't even know that we had our own, basically we were our own governmental agency or entity. um, And and that allowed us to do a whole bunch of the things that we would have wanted to do. And, And I think a lot of people try to operate in a vacuum and they, they underplay that importance of that government relationship. I'm seeing that now, especially with COVID. I mean, you look at how long it took people to go and interact with the governors, uh, within the universities. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Go out and see what they're going to be the ones that dictate whether you can have fans in the stadium or not. Um, so I guess talk, talk a little bit more about the importance of, of how you guys have, tied in with the government there. You gave some good examples, but maybe, maybe some examples of how it was challenging in, in Asia, especially. Yeah. I think in Asia, you know, you have to think, um, it's Western Eastern culture. And so as we started the discussions with the, uh, at first Shanghai government, and then had to include the Beijing government as well, you, you really had to understand what was motivating their interest in bringing a, a highly recognizable Western brand into uh, a communist society, right? And we, we, we fully got that they wanted to sort of transform themselves into having, uh, being known as a leisure tourism destination and having an international brand brought immediate credibility. And of course, no other brand like Disney could bring that credibility uh, as quickly as they did. And so for first taking the time to understand uh, the goals of the government, you know, becoming a tourism destination, increasing tax revenue, you know, those types of things really then help you uh, when you're talking about what you as a company want to achieve, gain alignment. And, and I think the same occurred here in Canton where, you know, and this was some pre my time, uh, the goals of the city, they had a strategic plan. They really wanted to accomplish certain areas of growth and, of course, uh, leisure tourism and expanding what the Pro Football Hall of Fame was about was was really a priority. So we benefited from their strategic plan. I can tell you it's been amazing to me that at the city level, the county level and at the state level, uh, the willingness to engage and just learn how our business is going to run. As an example, you know, we want to create an environment where people can walk freely throughout the destination, uh, whether they have a cocktail in their hand and they're, they're, they're enjoying an art festival or, or maybe we're creating a beer and wine festival. Well, there, there's not a broad liquor license uh, here in Canton. And as, as we had those discussions uh, with the mayor and, and with one of the state senators, you know, and I was explaining the goal of creating an immersive environment immediately, 
they left to, well, there's some work we need to do then on the regulatory side to be able to help support that kind of initiative. So I think it's so important uh, that take or companies not take for granted that the government actually understands your business to a level uh, that you do. You know, you're, you're the closest to it. And yet I, I've watched companies become increasingly frustrated with governments not willing to support them in a way that's going to help set them up for success. And I think governments do want to do that. You know, they want to, they, they have, they want job creation. They want economic development and uplift. They want, you know, tax revenue to help them with other things that are important, uh, infrastructure, schools, et cetera, in the city. So alignment is really important. And for sure, um, in China, that was one of the primary things we spent a, a considerable amount of time up front discussing. I love it. Um, well, something else you said, we, we tend to go all over the place in the show. Once we get started, <laughs> we, okay. we, we always have like a framework and then we end up bouncing around because, uh, you said something that caught my attention, which was really around the strategic plan. Um, and as I, I look at your work with four seasons, a, a lot of what I understand your, your role was, is really executing and driving that strategic plan in, in Asia. Um, as you think about strategic planning, uh, in the role that you're in now, I mean, how do you one? How do you think about strategic planning and structuring that strategic plan for an organization as as broad as yours? And two, how do you think about adapting that? Because obviously, there are probably some things that came about this year that you didn't have accounted for in your strategic plan. So, can you can it kind of answer those two questions for us? When I joined in late 2018, the the goal was to create a destination in Canton, Ohio, and and still is, um, and we are hard at work right now on making that happen. What I saw though was a company that had access to uh, really unique intellectual property, things that no other company had access to, that was powered by the most popular sport in America, professional football, and, and a brand like the NFL, um, and a brand like the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And thinking through uh, and this, you know, again, goes back to some of my, my roots in different companies, thinking about how do you take the property, the intellectual property you have access to. And I, I'm a big believer in content and content creation that becomes highly demanded by other channels or other platforms. And when I thought about it, you know, it was very easy to see a company that had multiple growth verticals. People are engaging with the sport of football, sport in general, in so many different ways these days. Esports, fantasy sports, sports betting, um, you know, all of these things are multi-billion dollar industries, youth sports. And so quickly, when we were thinking about a strategic plan, of course, it was to create a destination for people to come and be immersed in. But it was also how do we take and uh, create you know, take our, our our branding and our properties and our partnerships and be in places where we think we could have impact on guest experiences and diversify where revenue is coming from and mitigate some of the risk that you talked about. And I think COVID was and still is a really hard reminder that if you're a one-dimensional sort of one-trick pony, uh, you risk, especially in the real estate world, having serious ramifications, implications to your business. And we're watching this all across the world with small business owners and even large businesses suffering uh, dramatically um, by way of, you know, having to shut down and, and, and visitors and 
And then even the, the costs of the extra precautions that you have to take to create environments for people to come and back and be safe and, uh, and feel safe and to uh, enjoy. When I was with Four Seasons, it was sort of the same thing. There was a, a company that grew organically as a hotel company and had just started to think about using that powerful brand and multiple other verticals, brand mm-hmm. residential places where people could go and live, not just stay. Uh, branded tourism business, um, e-commerce, you know, lots of things that as you grow a company and you want to diversify and you have brand and you have a product that people know and trust, wow, you have a lot of opportunities. And and that's what we've been doing for our strategic plan here at the Hall of Fame Resort and Entertainment Company. I love it. And and when you say branded tourism and branded e-commerce, can you tell us a little bit more about how four se- how, how you were able to do that with Four Seasons? And then I want to go back to, to Hall of Fame. Sure. I mean, you know, when you look at Four Seasons, for, what does Four Seasons do really well? They create environments that are carefree. They take care. It's high touch for the individual and, and usually high net worth individuals, if we're if we're being honest. So if you took that level of service and extended it into really unique, one-of-a-kind tours that people couldn't do by themselves. And then you couple that with a private jet that you could put 50 people or 60 people on, and you could fly them to certain uh, places in the world. They could stay in Four Seasons hotels, have a have a one-of-a-kind dinner on, uh, you know, in the Louvre, have, that no one else could do or plan. That was something that that brand could bring uh, to bear and do it in, in a way that was at a very high level of service and, and was trusted by people that were already customers. The same with um, their e-commerce business. You know, people love their beds. People love their linens. People love the towel, you know, all of that stuff. Why wouldn't you share that then? Why wouldn't you allow people to own those things, hmm. give them a chance to bring what you do so well as a company in your hotels and your resorts, let them live it, you know, and it build loyalty on an even greater scale when you do that. Well, that's a great jumping off point, because I think in order to do what you just described, it starts with having a really inherent understanding of who your customer is and what 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 their needs are, their wants, their stereotypes, emotions, all of all the things going on inside of their heads and their heart. You understand who that person is at its core, and then you can drive experiences and content to that person. As you guys think about it for Hall of Fame, obviously, you're growing a lot and you're evolving as a company. Who do you see y'all's core customer as? And, and how do you, how do you envision creating some of those different types of experiences for them? Well, it starts with sports fans. for Sure. I mean, it's, it's football fans and then you have to look at by segment. Um, and you do, you segment your audience, your target audience by who is engaging with esports and how they are, uh, really engaging so that you can target and market and then deliver experiences that are going to be meaningful for them. The same in fantasy. And, you know, our acquisition recently of the Crown League, which we're in the process of rebranding now, I think is really going to create a new sort of one of a kind experience that allows that generation or that demographic that is very uh, focused on becoming part of selecting the team, managing the team, understanding how the team performs. We're looking at creating an ecosystem now, communities around teams. So instead of you having to go and create your own team, maybe it's a Hall of Famer, maybe it's an expert fantasy league player creating teams with your input 
And now you're a part of a community that gives input and learns from some of the best in the business and your entry fee or, or your ownership stake, however we choose to monetize that, really gives you a vested interest in a team versus an individual team that you have. You can take that expertise and then leverage it yourself into another league if you like. But I think you've got to look at who's, who's engaging where and then tailor your product and, and your services to those individuals. And it was, you know, not to use another Four Seasons example, but I will. It was, yeah, do it. As you start to transition, you know, the, over the next 10 years, there's going to be the largest transition of wealth in this country's history um, from boomers to millennials and, and going predominantly by females. And so, you know, boomers are high touch. I want you at every corner of the experience asking me what I need there with mm -hmm. my drink, there with this, there with that. Millennials are less about that. They want to engage through an app. They want to engage, you know, through touchless entry into the room. And so the, the quandary sometimes for a company like Four Seasons is how do you bridge those gaps in a way that you don't alienate one uh, demographic or another, and you encourage new visit new visitors to come in. We're we're, we're going to do the same thing. You know, how do you enable sports fans that are coming to be immersed in a three dimensional environment to place a bet and and do mm. sort of seamlessly with technology and five G sort of enables some of that as it continues to grow as well. Or how do you enable them to quickly understand? You know, as an example, one of the big things that you hear from, I'll say people from my generation, um, is that fantasy is complicated. I, I don't know yeah. to pick when to pick, how to trade, those kinds of things. Now I don't have to worry about that, right? I'm creating a league that I'm watching others do that, and I can give my opinion on certain things, but I'm having a whole bunch of fun saying I'm in a fantasy league with a lot of other people, and we're cheering for a team, and maybe we're selling them merchandise, and maybe that league is on television. So I, I think segmentation, product awareness, you know, creating touch points uh, to drive new visitation or, or new engagement opportunities is really important when you think about broadly how you how you run a company. How do you how I mean, we're, we're having a lot of conversations right now with different sports and entertainment organizations. And I think some of the things you just mentioned uh, it, it appears that COVID is tearing down some of those barriers that at one point were gaps between the different segments are now much easier. I mean, I, I FaceTimed with my 90 year old grandma last week, which I never, ever thought in a million years that that would be possible. And I think it, as we're thinking about, the, you know, the shift, to, the, the biggest buzzword I've heard in customer experience in the last two months has been contactless. Right. And before there was this whole big push of, you know, no we're always going to need to have people that only accept cash because so many of our people carry cash. And now it's pretty generally accepted that contactless is the way to go. So, I mean, how do you, how have you seen over the last couple of months, uh, you know, COVID kind of changing and the difference in the gap between those different segments of customers? Yeah, for, for sure. It's accelerated um, acceptance of technology and the use of it. Um, it's, it's accelerated, uh, things that I think were already on a pretty pretty high trajectory, uh, like esports, and and now mm -hmm. of you know NBA players playing other NBA players, and that's being televised in the absence of live sport. You know there are now tournaments around e gaming, or there 
fantasy gaming that's occurring between virtual teams. And so I think some of that's going to be very sticky and I think it's going to stay and it's accelerating uh, a path that these, these virtual uh, gaming companies or technology companies are already on. I think some will probably shift and there will be a, a rebalance back to um, engagement. I know that, you know, fans like to be in stands, you know, and, and they sure. being around like-minded folks and cheering for their teams and their heroes. Um, but, but now, you know, there's going to be an expectation that the level of um, touchless experience or the level of uh, experience that, that maybe prepackages product or something versus, you know, these big common area mustard ketchup stands that, you know, 50,000 people touch. I think there's going to be an expectation that may never go back to the same way that it was yeah. before. And so uh, I think there's an acceleration of things that are going to really enhance the fan, ex the fan experience. And there's also going to be an acceleration of things and has been of a uh, non-traditional sport that, is going to allow and, and advance uh, engagement on different mediums for fans to enjoy. Well, and I, I think you guys, based on everything you guys are doing, you're certainly well positioned to uh, capitalize on the changes uh, in, in society that we've been seeing over the last couple of months. Want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, we've primarily been talking about kind of the customer experience and what a customer can expect at, at Hall of Fame Village. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about you work for two incredible companies from the employee side of things. Let's talk a little bit about some of the employee experience strategies that you guys have adapted from Disney, from Four Seasons that you've now brought over uh, to, to your organization and, and what that looks like. Well, I, I think it starts with the culture. You have to create a, an immersive culture for your employees just as much as you do for your guests or your fans. And so you know, some of the things that I always really admired about Disney was you were on stage or you were off stage and you were a cast member performing a role. And it's the same for us. I mean, we, you know, we're team members and we are coaches. Uh, we're not managers. You know, we're, we're are those actual terms that you guys use. Yeah, those are terms that we'll, we are and will continue to grow and use. And and so we want to we want to create an environment where people understand that they have a role to play in uh, immersing guests and fans into these three-dimensional assets. It can't just be we open and, you know, you sort of welcome them in and uh, it's you're going into a box and you're leaving a box. There has to be atmospheric entertainment. There has to be design elements that allow them to feel like they're on a field or feel like they're uh, in a stand or things of that nature. And it, it goes every from everything from that center of excellence that I was talking about. It can't be a, just a traditional office building, right? It has to be a place of collaboration and teamwork and, you know, meeting rooms have to be, uh, you know, the, the team player rooms and, and things of that nature. And so uh, it starts with naming conventions, design, architectural elements, right down to the, the culture that you create and, you have huddle, you have huddles, you don't have, you know, team meetings and, and things. Like that. I love that. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're building that. Uh, we'll continue to do that over the course of the next couple of years as the destination grows. And we're excited about creating that type of culture here as well. Well, it, it, it is interesting, right? I think so many people, when they think about culture, they think, oh, it's about you know, how am I, how am I recognizing people? What's our, our team party at the end of the year? 
but it's obviously so much deeper than that. And you hit on a, an aspect that we normally don't talk a ton about on the show, but place being such an important element, um, the naming conventions of how you do things, uh, those are, those are huge pieces that I think from Disney being a storytelling company, you can pick up on an easily, easily adapt to the sports world. Sure. There, there's so many things in the sports world that you can adapt that. Right. Uh, I'm curious, I'm curious if you have any other things like huddles, uh, not having them team meetings, things being called team huddles. Do you have anything else that are, are similar to that? Well, just to your point about, um, places, you know, center for performance, we could have just called that a field house. Um, True. For excellence, we could have just called that, you know, whatever X, Y, you know, the Constellation office building. Um, you know, I think, you know, even our hotel, which we haven't really revealed the name of yet, and it's a partnership with Hilton and it's going to be a the brand is going to be a tapestry hotel. But we'll have a name of the hotel that is more uh significant to the environment that you're in. And so I think, you know, more and more of those kinds of things are how you when you're here, you don't just say I'm going over to this building or I'm going to to meet with this person. You you start to use that kind of nomenclature. And then it, it does create that experience that you can't just have going to uh, another, you know, inline mall or, or a place like that. Yeah. Um, well, let, let's talk a little bit while we're on the topic of employee experience around leadership. Um, I, I read somewhere that that you gained a lot of your leadership values, even just from from looking at your dad and the way that he led. Um, I know you've probably been around a lot of great leaders from from your time. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how you're developing leaders internally and and some of your thoughts on leadership values, if you will. Yeah, you did some homework. Yeah, I, I would. <laughs> Father uh, had a, a pretty dramatic impact on me when I was growing up. You know, I I, I had focus sessions. I didn't get yelled at. So you know, we would we would really talk about the the deeper meaning of what was going on and and how uh, it could be improved or what could be different. And and I'm sort of the same way. You know, I I'm uh, somebody who invests a lot in people. We're building a really strong team. I'm, I'm incredibly proud of the group that we have in place. And when you build, you know, it's not often that you get to build a destination, but it's also almost never that you get to build an entire company and take it public. And so you want a feeling of ownership and you want a feeling that you everything you do exponentially increases the capabilities of the rest of the team. And so it's, it's very much a, an environment of collaboration. And one that even if I'm the, the CFO, it doesn't mean that I can't sit in on a meeting where we're talking about great new partnerships like the NFL Alumni Association and give input to that. And I think when you create that kind of open environment and you break down uh, the traditional swim lanes and you allow people to kind of veer out a little bit, um, it's not necessarily management by committee, but you certainly open yourself up uh, to a lot better perspective and, and, you know, the ideas that come flowing from, you got to remember everybody's a fan or everybody's a consumer. And so they have a perspective on what great service looks like or what great sporting events feel like. And, um, and so we're building a great team. I think, you know, diversity is an incredibly important part of uh, the team as well. And so, you know, I've always talked about having a team that looks like your fan, your fans or your, mm-hmm. fans, you know, and, having diverse opinions um, to challenge sort of 
who's coming, why they're coming, what we should be offering in terms of service and the expectations from everything from food and beverage all the way up to, you know, the type, the types of experiences that, that we're offering is really, really important. Um, and then lastly, you know, you have to trust people. You have to empower them and trust them. When you're a, a small but mighty organization and building, you don't have the time to be involved in every single decision. And so people have to feel that level of ownership and, and accountability. You know, I always say you, you're the one that owns it. You decide we make decisions together, but you also have to be accountable uh, for those decisions. And some are going to be wins and some are going to be losses. And in the end, you know, you hope that the, the, the one on the left hand side is a lot greater than the one on the right hand side. There's more in the wing column. So we, we've got a, a really good game plan, I think, for our team. Uh, we're starting to execute against that. COVID slowed that down a bit. We wanted to be responsible with the, the dollars we had and the, and the spend and, and, frankly, the need uh, for, for human capital slowed down a little bit. We're, we're ramping that back up now. Uh, one, one thing that you hit on that I, I want to talk about that I know a lot of leaders listening to this are, are probably struggling with right now. I, I think about our time at, at Disney, which was one of the most collaborative environments I've been in where everybody weighed in and, and we had different things, but sometimes that slowed things down as you're building. And I think transferably to organizations right now that are in crisis mode with COVID, you want to go fast because you got to be able to pivot and make moves but you also don't want to sacrifice that collaborative nature of how having other leaders weigh in. How have you been able to balance the two with hall of fame right now as, as you're trying to get that collaboration, but you're also trying to move quickly and build something. How have you been able to manage those two things? Well, I think it starts with knowing that you're going to have every day, a hundred decisions you got to make when you're building a destination or a company. Um, and if you don't make them today, that just means you got 120 or 130. <laughs> and, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, time and and money are directly connected when it comes to uh, creating these types of, of destinations. Uh, you have a project schedule, you have uh, timelines that you're accountable for, and you have a performa that you're dealing with that's connected to all of that. Um, I, I think people giving people an opportunity to express opinion, but making it clear who the final decision makers are is really the important part. And so it goes back to that trust between team members. And when you're in that huddle and when you're, you know, calling the play, everybody's trusting the wide receiver is going to run their route. The running back's going to know the blockers are going to know the quarterback's going to do what they need to do. And then you got to sometimes call an audible, but you know, the, the trust becomes really important, even though you're in the same huddle and you're calling a play and somebody may say, Hey, you know, have you thought about, it's important to trust that you can give that feedback. But in the end, if it's not used, that's okay as well. And uh, we had, we had to make a quick decision. We, we do face being a publicly traded company, you know, a lot of the regulatory uh, issues and, and certainly compliance. So we want to make sure we're not going too fast um, and, and taking all of that into consideration. But I, I do believe we, you have to strike that balance between input trust and decision-making and how all of that transpires uh, is critical. And then, and then when you get it wrong, you just, you come back together, you huddle up again and you, you start talking about why that didn't work and you, and you, and you course correct. Words of wisdom. Um, well, Michael, as we wrap up, 
any f- words of advice to our, our listeners uh, out there right now that, that may have just sat through a, a whole conversation with you and I? I, I think it's, it's really um, be safe, be smart about what you're doing in today's world. Uh, I miss sports. Everyone miss sports. You know, think about where we're going and how we can evolve uh, society together. I think we all have a responsibility to really listen to what's being said out there. And it's a lot more than just health and safety. There are a lot of issues politically. There are a lot of issues um, from a diversity point of view that I think our country is facing. And I think sports has always been a place where people feel safe. It's, it's not about color of skin. It's not about uh, religion. It's not about uh, sexual orientation. It's about everybody having a place on the team, everybody doing a job and, and wanting to be successful. And our, our goals for a company are quite simple. I mean, it's really giving guests fantastic experiences in multiple different ways where they're already enjoying sport and particularly football. And our job is to do those and execute those plays better than others and create, you know, unique environments. And I think we're, we're well positioned as a company with the intellectual property and brand partnerships that we have to do that. So it's, it's, um, it's a difficult time for everybody, including us, but, uh, we are uh, a society and a country that fights hard and, and sports is a big part of, of what we, you know, have in our lives to cheer for and be happy about. So we're all looking forward to that coming back in a, in a big way. For sure. I, I think we, you know, we talk about it on our team all the time that sports is the one, the one time where as long as you're, you've got that other uh, ND shirt on, you're sitting next to me. I don't care what color you are, what your uh, gender is. I don't care what your political stances are. You're my boy. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think we're all ready for that to come back. I agree. So, I agree. Uh, Mike, appreciate the time today. Uh, and where, where can people reach you if they want to follow along the journey uh, of what you guys are building um, or, or your personal journey as a leader of the company? Yeah, I think the best place is just our website, you know, Hall of Fame Resort and Entertainment Company dot com. Or if specifically you want to look at the great progress we're making at the village, it's Hall of Fame Village dot com. Uh, we have all of our social media channels there as well. So you can follow us on Twitter or LinkedIn and, um, you know, all the places that you would expect us to be and will continue to be. And, you know, our goal is to for transparency. I think people really appreciate uh, knowing what's going on and, and how we're growing as a company. And, and we want to make sure people have a chance to be on the journey with us and, and, and hear all the great things that are going to happen and come in the future. Wonderful. Michael, thank you so much for being on Flip the Switch. We'll talk Thanks soon. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.